For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. From Meteor's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A leopard may not be able to change its spots, but a group of animal rights activists believes that all predators can change what they eat. Herbivorize predators is exactly what it sounds like. This nonprofit group based in England believes that the next frontier of evolution will see predators like tigers, wolves, and bears pass on the veal and say yes to the salad. The organization is led by an animal rights activist, a transhumanist, and something called a futurist, which sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, which I guess is what this is. A futurist, according to the old dictionary, is a person who studies the future and makes predictions about it based on current trends. This particular futurist is named Adam James Davis, and if this is the caliber of all of his predictions, I'm thinking he should get a refund from futurist school and probably not visit Texas. Davis and his colleagues believe carnivores should be converted into vegans because, quote, predation causes serious harms to sentient beings, including untimely death and pain, suffering, physical and mental. They believe we have a duty to end pain and suffering, so instead of volunteering at a local food bank or visiting their grandparents, they've decided to pick lower-hanging fruit. Their website, which I encourage you to check out at herbivorizepredators.org, is heavy on philosophy and light on science. They point to species like pandas to argue that their solution is possible. Quote, Given that this change has occurred without human agency, it likely will not be too difficult to modify, via selective breeding and genetic engineering, all carnivorous species to evolve herbivorous diets. Because that's what the animals want. Genetic engineering. To those who worry such a massive ecological change would cause more suffering than it prevents, 
They argue that herbivorizing carnivores will happen in a controlled manner, slowly, over many years. Population controls like immunocontraception can make sure all these new herbivores don't decimate plant life, so we really don't have anything to worry about. Isn't that nice? It's a brave new world out there, folks. Keep tuning in to Cal's Week in Review, and I'll make sure you don't get left behind. This week, we've got the Public Lands Desk, Legislative Roundup, Cattle Culls, and so much more, but first I'm going to tell you about my week. And oh my goodness, where to start? I <sighs> went down to Cibolo Creek Ranch on the Texas-Mexico border, which is south of Marfa, Texas. Just to lay this out plain and simple, this is a spoiled kid adventure. My longtime friend Terry Huon, who is on his second career consulting with different operations, setting up instructional and recreational shooting courses for pistols, carbines, and long range. This is after his first career, which lasted 30 years in the Navy, where he, among lots of other jobs, instructed at the sniper school. Anyway, he invited me down. He found the ranch through his new job and set it up so I could come down and bring a friend, Kimmy Werner. Now, I selected Kimmy because she is a first-time rifle hunter and just so curious as to set up a brand-new beginner with very, very limited experience with somebody who has an unbelievable I would say, unattainable amount of experience for somebody who doesn't get paid to shoot. Anyway, we did a couple of days of shooting, punching paper, hitting steel, shooting rocks at various angles and distances. Then we went after Audad, or Barbary Sheep, which is a really cool, absolutely non-native animal to North America, and the place is absolutely crawling with them. In regards to big game, This area of Texas was home to desert bighorn sheep, javelina, the Carmen Mountain whitetail, pronghorn antelope, bison, elk, and cow's deer. All this odd ad country is desert sheep country, but I saw no desert sheep. Did see javelina, whitetail, and a private bison herd that was in very close proximity to three black wildebeest. Yes, wildebeest, which in case you are wondering, are not native to this continent either. Suffice it to say, Texas is and will remain a very different place. So much to tell you about, but I would really like to fulfill a dream of mine and get Havelina with my bow, so I must move on. You will be able to see this adventure on a future episode of Cal in the Field, only at the Meat Eater YouTube channel. New episodes coming out very soon. If you want to catch up on this more, I'll see you all very shortly in Missoula, Montana, St. Patrick's Day weekend for the backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous. Also, shoot your rifles. Shoot your hunting rifles. Practice, practice, practice. It is amazing what some instruction and real range can do to get you back in the groove of shooting. It will pay off soon. Only a few short months until we are back into the big game season. Speaking of, tag application season has already begun. I went through TSA tags again this year. Hoping some pro-level planning can help me draw a tag to adventure someplace new. You are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora. Moving on to the cattle desk. The U.S. Forest Service and the USDA have completed a campaign to gun down about 150 wild cattle in the Gila National Forest. Sharpshooters flew in helicopters through the rugged, mountainous terrain to find and eradicate the herds that the feds say pose a danger to both humans and the environment. 
The feral cattle in the Gila wilderness have been aggressive towards wilderness visitors, graze year-round, and trample stream banks and springs, causing erosion and sedimentation, said Gila National Forest Supervisor Camille House. This action will help restore the wilderness character of the Gila wilderness, enjoyed by visitors from across the country. Not everyone is happy about the operation. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham issued a statement criticizing the plan and accusing the Forest Service of refusing to engage with stakeholders. Ranchers are also upset. I saw initial reports that they were concerned about some of their own cattle being gunned down. They also said in court documents that the service should have tried harder to round up the cattle instead of shooting them and leaving them to waste. It's also worth noting that if the service is concerned about the safety of visitors to the Gila, it's maybe not a great idea to leave over 100 carcasses on the landscape. Dexter D. from San Diego wrote in to ask Cal at TheMeatEater.com to wonder why the Forest Service didn't offer a controlled hunt to deal with the cattle problem. The Forest Service said that only the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish has the authority to designate a hunt, which, if you ask me, sort of sidesteps the question. But they also pointed out that cows fall into kind of a no-man's land. They aren't game, non-game, furbear, or unprotected animal. So even if New Mexico Game and Fish wanted to call a hunt, the legal and logistical challenge is probably more trouble than it's worth. The cattle in the Gila are the descendants of cows that legally grazed the area in the 1970s before the owner went out of business. Federal officials have made several attempts over the last couple of decades to remove the animals, including a similar shooting operation in 2022 that took out 65 cows in two days. In 2021, the Forest Service collected about 50 cattle from the Gila wilderness and sold them at a livestock auction. It sounds like based on this previous experience, they decided that shooting the animals was quicker easier, and cheaper than rounding them up. In their responses to public comments, they said it would be, quote, daunting to remove all that meat in a safe and responsible manner. They argued that since the cows are not vaccinated, the Forest Service would be unable to confirm that they are safe to eat, which is kind of a weird place to leave that one. Fortunately for everybody, there is a New Mexico cattle episode of Cow in the Field coming soon to the Meat Eater YouTube channel, and I'm just going to leave you with this. Aerial gunning is the way to go. We're not talking about big, beautiful beef. We're talking about wild, ass, rank cattle. They do not know what herding is. I'm sure we could interview a few more cowboys down there in the Gila that may have tried to round these cattle up. Big issue here is that wild cattle are not just a feral animal in New Mexico. By default, an unbranded cattle belongs to the state. Right, which does make sense when you think about the way grazing allotments work. Okay, you pay a lease to graze the state's grass on state ground, right? National forest, same deal, BLM, same deal. So when that unbranded feral cattle comes in, typically uh, under great protest and duress, the state or that entity would like to get some of that uh, free grazing that it did cash back. Okay, so it goes to the state livestock auction after being inspected by the brand inspector. Does it sound like a big waste of meat? Hell yes, it does, but I get it. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind 
that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Moving on to the legislative desk. Pennsylvania. State Senator Daniel Laughlin has reintroduced his Sunday hunting bill from last year This bill would remove all prohibitions on Sunday hunting and trapping throughout the entire state. In 2020, the Game Commission began approving three Sundays each year for hunting, which have been successful and safe. This bill would open all Sundays to the same activities. Wisconsinites will have a chance this April to tell the DNR what they think about spearfishing for northern pike. Advocates for dark house pike spearing, which include meat eater contributor Pat Durkin, point out that many neighboring states allow the activity and that spearfishing for sturgeon is already legal. They want Wisconsin to join Minnesota, Michigan, and six other states in allowing this fun and effective way to harvest pike. 
Residents will have a chance to weigh in at this year's Wisconsin Conservation Congress annual spring hearing. An online questionnaire will be available from April 10th at noon through April 13th at noon. There are dozens of other policy proposals on the questionnaire, so if you live in Wisconsin, check it out. You can Google Wisconsin Conservation Congress or visit themeateater.com forward slash cal. Lots of good info. Also in Wisconsin, Senate Bill 30 would lift the requirement that the DNR impose a baiting ban when captive servants test positive for CWD. Current law requires the DNR to ban baiting for three years whenever a test comes back positive in any particular county. This bill would impose this requirement when a free-ranging deer tests positive, but not when a captive deer tests positive. In Ohio, the State Wildlife Council is considering whether or not to reopen the grouse hunting season this year. Grouse are listed as a species of concern in Ohio, just one step below threatened, but in previous years, the council has allowed hunters a daily bag limit of one with a statewide season starting the second Saturday in October and running through the Sunday after Thanksgiving on public land and through January 1 on private land. This year, the Columbus Dispatch reports that some commissioners want to close grouse hunting indefinitely until they can get to the bottom of the bird's population decline. If you'd like to weigh in on this policy, get in touch with the Ohio Wildlife Council. Down in Florida, state wildlife managers are again considering whether or not to call a black bear hunt. Florida's bear population isn't exceptionally large, but biologists say that about 10% of the 3,200 bears in Florida can be killed each year. But the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is still a little gun-shy about calling a hunt after what happened in 2015. That was the first bear hunt in Florida in 21 years, and hunters harvested 295 bears in just two days. They didn't exceed their statewide quota, but officials ended the hunt early after regional quotas were exceeded and hunters were harvesting at a faster rate than they expected. Animal rights activists got involved, and the state hasn't had a bear hunt since. If you want to get involved, get in touch with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Up in Maine, Representative Lynn Williams has introduced a bill that would significantly restrict coyote hunting. Thanks to Justin Spicer for sending this one in. LD-814 would cut the current year-round daytime hunting season to just six months between October and March. The current nighttime coyote hunting season runs from December 16th to August 31st, but this bill would shorten it by five months and end it in March. Folks, I gotta say it again. If your legislature is in session, if your Fish and Game Commission is making rules right now, you have got to be involved because I guarantee you, even though it's not here on the Weekend Review, There is something in your state that will affect you going on right now. Get involved, be a part of the process, or don't complain when some rule comes out or new law that you don't like. Moving on to the dog desk. Idaho Fish and Game reported last week that conservation officers had killed two pet dogs that were harassing and killing elk. A conservation officer arrived on the scene in the Chubbuck area to find that the dogs had killed a calf elk and were attacking a second calf elk, which later died from its injuries. The department said there was, quote, no feasible way to stop this attack other than killing the dogs, so the officer shot both of them. A spokesperson for the department called it an extremely unfortunate situation. They really wish there was a different outcome here. 
In other dog-related news, a town in Kansas has suspended its coyote trapping program after two pet dogs were caught in and injured in offset jaw traps. Authorities in the town of Mission Hill, Kansas, had received reports from residents about coyotes in residential neighborhoods, so they hired a trapper to catch them. The city sent notices to their surrounding homes, and they also put up street signs that read, Warning! Nuisance animal trapping in progress. But Elizabeth Kirsch told local media that those signs weren't clear enough. She was walking her dogs, Oreo and Fed, in a local park when Oreo got caught in one of the traps. None of the news reports I've read said whether Oreo was on a leash, though I doubt the city would have put traps on park pathways. Anyway, Kirsch dropped Fred's leash when she heard Oreo howling, and Fred didn't waste much time getting caught himself. Kirsch wasn't able to open either trap, and the dogs had to wait about 20 minutes for the police to show up. By that time, they'd lost multiple teeth trying to chew their way out, and Kirsch says her vet bill is approaching $20,000. The city has removed all coyote traps from the park and says it's reviewing its trapping program. It says it started the program because a coyote killed the dog of another resident, and officials tried their best to warn locals about the presence of the traps. Kirsch says the city should pay for her vet bills. So far, no word on that. Moving on to the public land desk. Back in episode 162, we covered how the Pine Log Wildlife Management Area in Georgia was being put up for sale. This 14,000-acre property north of Atlanta has been used by outdoor enthusiasts for many years to hunt, fish, camp, hike, and horseback ride. But the company that owns the property wants to sell it, and we put out a call to action for local residents to speak up. I have good news and bad news to report. The good news is that, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the family that owns the property is talking to the state about how they can preserve it as a wildlife management area. The bad news is that the state may not be able to afford it. A lawyer for the Neely family told the Journal-Constitution that if the Georgia DNR could offer $400 million, they would sell it tomorrow. Unfortunately, there isn't a state wildlife agency in the country that has that kind of free cash. Talks are ongoing, and Georgia residents are hoping they can come to some kind of agreement because no one wants the alternative. The backup development plan would use the property to build 16,500 residential units, 16.5 million square feet of industrial space, 800 acres of commercial development, and nearly 4,000 acres for mining and debris recycling. About 5,000 acres would be preserved as, quote, green space, but it's unclear what kind of outdoor recreation would be allowed, if any. Some of that green space would almost certainly be nothing more than neighborhood parks and gated communities. There's a petition at change.org to save the Pine Log WMA, which you should sign if you haven't already. Also, continue to tell the Georgia DNR and your Georgia state legislators that you want this property preserved. If they're in talks with the Neely family, there's still a chance. Your Georgia wildlife officials need to know you have their back and you want them to stay the course. There's still hope for Pine Log, but I'm sorry that I can't say the same for Fairfield Lake State Park in Texas. Located 96 miles south of Dallas, this park closed permanently at the end of last month because its landlord sold the land to a developer. That's bad enough. But a new report from the Dallas Morning News indicates that despite public statements to the contrary, Texas Parks and Wildlife did not seriously attempt to save it. The Dallas Morning News obtained text messages between Texas Parks and Wildlife Commissioner Arch Applin and the park's new owner, Sean Todd. Todd told Applin that he'd be willing to sell the park back to the state, minus what he calls a tiny carve-out in the northern peninsula of the park. 
but Applin said that he spoke with Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who said he only had the authority to purchase the entire park, not just a part of it. It seems like they'd be able to work out a compromise, but the deal fell through. Even after Todd pressed for an agreement, Applin reiterated that he wasn't willing to consider the small carve-out on the peninsula. There's more to this story, and you should check out the Dallas Morning News article for yourself. Whatever happened during these negotiations, one thing is clear, Texas residents who don't have much public land as it is just lost access to a 1,821-acre park along with a 2,400-acre lake. If I lived in the Lone Star State, I'd surely be writing my representatives make this issue front and center so it doesn't happen again at the very least. Moving on to the mailbag. Listener Ben Funk wrote in to ask me about solar farms. I've noticed in the last year or so, solar farms are all of a sudden popping up everywhere, seemingly overnight. He sent me a few photos he's taken from his airplane, which shows what it looked like hundreds of acres of solar arrays. Why are our conservation organizations silent on this? I'm not sure how anyone can witness this and defend it as better for the environment. It's simply maddening, and it feels like there isn't a damn thing I or anyone can do about it. I definitely see your point. Clean energy is good from a carbon emission standpoint, but solar and wind require lots of acreage, and we're only going to be seeing more of it in the coming years. We covered in episode 192 how the Bureau of Land Management is developing a plan to jumpstart more solar energy development on western public land. The Biden administration is very friendly to alternative energies, and there are plenty of subsidies and government assistances available. Several of you also sent me information about the Lava Ridge Wind Project in southern Idaho. If it moves forward, this would be the largest wind turbine farm in the United States with over 400 units. But locals have launched a campaign against it because it would be in view of the Minidoka National Historic Site. They argue that building 400 massive windmills in the rugged high desert of Idaho would ruin the visitor experience. The BLM extended its comment period until April 20, so you still have time to tell the agency what you think. Visit themeateater.com forward slash cal for a link to the comment page, or you can check out the minidoka.org forward slash lava ridge for more information. These are only two examples of debates that are happening all across the country. How can we address carbon emissions using clean energy sources while maintaining our wild landscapes and healthy ecosystems? One good example of uh, some progressive work on behalf of uh, nature and energy coexisting, the Nature Conservancy across Wyoming and the West is mapping out the best places to put wind and solar farms. They've identified areas that have already been disturbed with oil and gas development and areas that will pose the least risk to wildlife. Because most solar farms are fenced off, for example, they want to be careful that no one builds a farm along a migration corridor. Ideally, we can take advantage of renewable energy without destroying the habitat and animals we're trying to save from climate change. Maybe that sounds like trying to have our cake and eat it too, but at the risk of mixing food metaphors, I think it's more like chewing gum while walking. Takes a little extra coordination, but it's doable. Thanks for sending those ones in, and remember to write in to ASKCAL. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Also, if you're looking for a clean, quiet, throw underneath the seat, get you out of a jam chainsaw, check out www.steeldealers.com. Find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need, and they won't try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. 
hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. 